Welcome to Web of Tomorrow, a show about the web and the people who build it. I'm Adam Garrett Harris, and this time my guest is Cassidy Williams. Cassidy is currently the head of developer voice programs at Amazon, and uh, we're going to talk about mechanical keyboards. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and I saw you tweet uh, this thing that said, me in real life talking about mechanical keyboards <laughs> and there's like three different responses or three different types of people someone that didn't even ask someone that now regrets asking and someone you don't even know Sounds fun. and so i was like i i want i want to hear what you have to say about mechanical keyboards <laughs> well good that makes one person <laughs> so uh, I want to hear a little bit about your background first before we get into keyboards, though. Sure. How did you How did you get into coding uh, quickly, and then just kind of your career history, how you ended up at Amazon? Sure. Yeah. So, getting into coding was a very random occurrence, and people who know me have heard this story many, many times. But uh, I was walking home from school in eighth grade, and I heard someone say, "Check out my website," and I was like, "Oh, you can have one of those." And so I went home and started looking up how to make a website, and that's how it all began. Um, and eventually I, I kept learning how to make websites, I, and this was way back like IE6 days. I remember specifically when Internet Explorer 7 came out and like transparent PNGs were suddenly a thing. It was amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, I ended up taking AP Computer Science when I was in high school, um, and that kind of sealed the deal that I wanted to uh, pursue coding in some way and um, majored in computer science at Iowa State University. Um, and while there, I, I did all kinds of great things. I loved going to Iowa State, and uh, we had a computer science club that I ended up leading by my senior year, and uh, I did a few different internships, um, both on campus and uh, far away from campus um, in uh, Minneapolis and Seattle and, and the Bay Area, and I also ended up uh, studying abroad in Spain as well, so all kinds of great adventures while at Iowa State, and um, after school, I worked at Venmo, um, and I was doing both software engineering and developer evangelism there. Um, I really liked the idea of uh, coding, but also being able to kind of test my speaking chop uh, and, and doing just more than coding. And so that's that's how I got into dev evangelism. I heard that when you took the job at Venmo, you actually turned down some really awesome jobs. I did. It was such a tough decision. I I actually have this like journal that I write in. Uh, I try to write in every single day. It emails me and, the, and I reply back and that's an entry. And looking back on the entries that I made around that time, whew, I was so stressed. Um, I My senior year, I kind of just mass applied for a lot of jobs. A lot of people, because I, I ended up having uh, 10 job offers uh, before graduation and a lot of people are just like, oh, wow. you must really know what you're doing. But what they don't realize is how many jobs I applied for. Uh, <laughs> like, if you if you apply for tons and tons of things, chances are you're going to get something. So that's that's kind of how that ended up. But, uh, yeah, I, I turned down a lot of big companies like uh, the Googles and the Apples and uh, Intel and, and, and stuff. And um, a few smaller companies, too, back when SendGrid was really small. Um, I, I ended up not going with them and uh, some other just not straight technical companies like AT&T and Thomson Reuters um, and General Mills. And it was tough because I really did like a lot of those companies. But uh, Venmo offering me both the software engineering and developer evangelism role was really exciting. 
Um, and uh, I was able to move to New York City, and I had never lived in New York before, so I was really excited to try that out. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and, and so with Venmo, uh, I was there for a little over a year, and I was really loving it. Uh, we made music videos in the office. The culture was awesome. I, I loved um, just showing off the Venmo API to a bunch of developers. And um, then Clarify came along, and Clarify is an AI startup in New York City, although they're, they're a little bigger now. Um, but they started reaching out to me, and at, at this point, I was like, no, I'm not really interested. Um, I'm going to stay put. I don't want to just stay at a company for only a year. Um, my mindset was very different then, <laughs> and uh, when I started talking with the founder, it kind of turned into an interview to the point where he was just like, oh, we should do technical questions. I said, oh, this is just supposed to be a coffee chat. No. <laughs> and so I ran away. Uh almost literally. And then, um, my sister ended up actually getting a job offer from clarified like later that week. And she said, okay, you have to try it, checking them out now, especially if I'm working there. And she was right. So I, uh, I went back and did a, a quick technical interview and, um, I got the offer and was very nervous. And I made this giant pros and cons list of deciding, should I leave Venmo? Should I go to clarify? What, what should I do? And, and ultimately I decided to go to clarify, which ended up being a great decision. Um, I'm still friends with people over at Venmo, but Clarify was a very new and exciting opportunity. It was I was the 17th employee in the door, and so it was very, very young and, and early, and it was fun uh, getting to see a startup just so early on, um, really starting to pick up its, its pace. And uh, as I was at Clarify, I was really enjoying it, but I was kind of starting to get a little tired of New York City. Um, and so after... After a little over a year at uh, Clarify 2, I ended up telling uh, my then-boyfriend, now-husband, um, that I wanted to check out a new city, and um, we decided on Seattle. Um, he ended up at Amazon, and I ended up at a creative agency in the city called L4 Digital. Um, and at L4, uh, I loved it there. It was a, a super fun company. Um, I was a senior software engineer there, and I managed a few developers there as well. Um, and I really started to spread the word of mechanical keyboards once I moved to Seattle. When I was in New York, I was so uh, bogged down with work all the time that I didn't really have very much time to play with keyboards and kind of explore it as a hobby. I was more just like a lurker on the outside. But once I moved to Seattle, whew, I dove in deep. Uh, and there's quite a contingent here for uh, mechanical keyboard enthusiasts, which normalizes me, and I'm very happy about Nice. Yeah, we have mechanical keyboard meetups here. I'm speaking at the next one this July. Um, we have like build parties and a Slack group that's super active where we just talk about keyboards all day, all the time. Um, and it's great. And the, uh, and so that's I've got plugged in with a few different communities. That and uh, I've, I'm in the Seattle Video Game Orchestra out here, and uh, I play trumpet to Mario music and Zelda and Skyrim and stuff around the city with the group. Um, anyway, uh, the kind of a side note, but I, I really have enjoyed moving to Seattle just because I've been able to pursue hobbies a lot more. Um, and uh, L4 was bought, and I, and I wasn't a huge fan of uh, some of the company changes that were happening, and uh, my sister uh, had recently moved to Amazon, and uh, my husband was starting to lure me over saying, come check us out, we're cool. And uh, it worked. And so uh, I uh, actually got married this past November, um, and then ended up interviewing with Amazon like a month later. And, uh, that, those are the major life changes that have happened in, in the past year. And, uh, yeah, um, now I'm at Amazon doing a bunch of 
different Alexa work, uh, both in JavaScript and uh, on the evangelism type uh, side of things, and still doing a lot of keyboard stuff too. Cool. So you're you're a developer as well as doing other stuff. Yeah, I'm. I have a very weird job at Amazon. Uh, it's it's hard to describe in a sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said you were kind of a lurker in the mechanical keyboard world in New York. Yes. So what uh, what 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 was your first introduction to them? So um, the website MassDrop was my first introduction to them, and MassDrop they do group buys where. Uh, they, they have, like, these niche communities where um, people can say, oh, I really like this particular type of watch, but nobody else in the world does. And uh, all of these uh, different people in the world come together and uh, do a group buy. And so the, the more people buy in on a given product of, of some sort, the cheaper it gets, um, because that, uh, that buy goes straight to the manufacturer. Um, and I thought it was such a cool concept, and I uh, discovered it somehow, like on Facebook or something. And um, then I started getting the newsletters and started checking out the really customizable keyboards that Mastrop had. And I was like, ooh, I like this whole custom thing, um, because who doesn't want a cool desk at home? And um, that's mm-hmm. that's where I first got introduced to it. And then I uh, discovered the subreddit on Reddit, which is a deep dive, too, Um and so between MassDrop and the subreddit, that's where I first really just started like looking at all of the options for uh, mechanical keyboards and, and seeing the differences between them. And I also had a coworker at Clarify where he um, he's very involved in the community and, and he actually was helping run uh, mechanical keyboard meetups in New York City, which I didn't know existed until, of course, I was almost leaving the city. But uh, he helped me kind of get plugged into to figure out uh, which keyboards I should buy first and stuff. And um yeah, once I moved here, never looked back. Nice. Uh, what what was your first keyboard that you got? This is actually my first keyboard, if you can hear it. It's a super clicky uh, keyboard. Um, this is actually the first keyboard I built. I, I had two keyboards to start. One was uh, a WASD keyboard, W-A-S-D um, is the brand, and it lets you customize the colors of a keyboard, and then they'll ship it to you all customized, and it's awesome. Uh, and I, I loved having that one uh, for start, and it isn't as loud and clicky as this one right here. Um, and uh, that one I have somewhere in my house. <laughs> and uh, this uh, next keyboard that I've been uh, clicking along is the first keyboard that I built, and it's a Centrac 60% keyboard. Um, and the switches are Gatoron greens, which means they're kind of like heavier uh, clicky switches, and then the keycaps are called DSA Overcast. And so DSA is the profile of keycaps, so they're they're short and uh, straight across, and then um, DS or an overcast is like the color scheme. And so I have the orange and white color scheme with a little hint of green in there. Okay, cool. Uh, I think it'd be cool to go over some of the vocabulary of keyboards because there were there was a lot. There was a lot. That was a there. lot of words, probably. <laughs> well, okay. What was the name of the first keyboard again? Okay, so. I'm going, I'll, I'll start from the beginning, uh, and I'll talk yeah. about the sizing. And so a typical keyboard that has, like, all the all the letters, all the numbers, a numpad on the side, arrow keys, everything, that's a 100% keyboard. Um, and that one, it's, it has about 104 keys, depending on, on your layout and everything, but that, that's considered a 100% keyboard. Um, if you okay. cut out the numpad, then that's uh, called a TKL, uh, a.k.a. 10 keyless. 
um, because the, those 10 keys of the numbers are cut off. Um, and a TKL is also known as a 75 or 80% keyboard because you're cutting off that many keys because um, that includes the plus sign and the minus and the times. That okay. Is there a difference between 75, 80%? It depends on on the keys. It's, and it's hard to explain, but, but it, it kind of depends on if you have a function row at the top, I guess. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, and then the next size down is a 68%, 67 or 68%. And I actually have one of those here too. Um, and this one is called a clue board. And that one still has arrow keys, but it takes out a lot of, it takes out the entire top row of function keys. And it only has a, a couple more uh, function keys on top of the arrow keys. And I just have page up and page down. Some people have delete and insert. It's kind of up to you. Um, okay. And uh, it keeps going down. And so after the 60, between 65 and 68, again, depending on the number of keys, you have the 60%, and that uh, cuts off the arrow keys. Uh, so you have no function keys, no arrow keys, but with those, that's where you start to get really creative with how you program it. Um, and that's what I really like about the smaller keyboards is your hands don't have to move as far across the board. Whenever I use a really small keyboard, I end up using a big one later and thinking, oh, I have to move my hand all the way over here to reach an arrow key. But meanwhile, with this one, I'll hit function and then use HKJL for my uh, arrow keys. Some people use like the menu key and do the WASD for um, their arrow keys. And so it's up to you. And you can you can stick in as many functions and layers of functions as you want, which is really fun. Yeah, we'll have to talk about layers more in depth. Uh, yeah, in a I will. Uh, and then uh, after 60%, it keeps getting smaller. There's 40% keyboards. I don't actually have one on me right now, but 40% uh, keyboards have much less keys. It doesn't have a number row. It just has the letters and then some function keys on the outside, and the space bar is much shorter. Um, and then the smallest keyboard I've seen someone reasonably use is a 30% keyboard, which just wow. cuts out even more keys. So it's a lot more about, like, the creative programming of how you understand your uh, functions uh, on the different layers uh, and saying like, okay, if I hit these two keys, the Q turns into a one and, and like, <laughs> yeah, I, what I think is really interesting about that is a lot of people into who are into mechanical keyboards are developers and developers need a lot of those extra keys and symbols. Yeah. I think, if you're just typing normal sentences, a 30% would probably be fine. Yeah. Well, no, people still it, need... It's, so I, I've had 40% keyboards and I also have some orthogonal keyboards. And that's when, like, when you look at your keyboard now, it's staggered. And so all of the letters aren't exactly uh, one right on top of the other. But orthogonal yeah. layout is when it's a straight grid. That's the smallest keyboard I have, and that is a struggle to get used to, and I can't code on it. The The smallest keyboard that I can code on reasonably is the 60%, because I still have like okay. a reasonable amount of symbols. It's just the arrow keys that I don't have, and honestly, I program in Vim anyway, so I use HKJL pretty uh, seamlessly. Um, yeah. But yeah. If I'm if I'm writing like a blog post or an essay or something, using those small keyboards actually is great because you move really fast because your hands just aren't going anywhere but it definitely takes some getting used to i tried coding with a 40 percent once and i just i couldn't take it yeah yeah so i i have an ergo docs i'm not sure what percentage that is so that one people don't really classify the ergo docs as a percentage because it it kind of still has a lot of the same keys that you need it's just spread out differently 
those are usually just docs keyboards and and there's such things as like the orthodox which is an orthogonal keyboard again it's it's got the grid but then it's got a couple thumb keys so your hands are spread out and there's the iris which is like a smaller version of the ergodox and so it's kind of those kind of live in their own separate families okay so those are all you know split keyboards right they're orthogonal and then i guess the weird thing is they have keys underneath their thumb right yeah it's 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 a lot. It's a lot more thumb action, and I guess less pinky action, or, or whatever you you might use. And you also yeah. are more forced to like keep your hands in a natural position. Uh, where I I myself like I can touch type, but it's not the proper way, and I kind of dive across the keyboard depending on what I'm typing. Uh, and yeah. I, oh right, yeah. When I first switched to an ergodox, because it's split, I didn't really have problems with this, but some people noticed that they can't. They can't use their left hand for the wrong keys on the right side. Exactly. Like, like I, t- I tend to just let my index fingers kind of dive across when, depending on what I'm typing all the time. And I, I am not good at using split keyboards for that reason because I, I tend okay. to hunt and peck. I, I, like the, I like the more standard shape because then I can just type quickly without having to look down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love just being able to spread my shoulders apart, you know, bring my shoulders back. Yeah, that's true. I, I recently, I, I laser cut a case for an iris keyboard, which again is like a smaller ergodox. And so I'm going to see if I can just like put both hands on armrests or something and, and see how that might feel. But it's a project. Wow. We'll see. Okay, so we've got the different sizes of keyboards. What other kind of terminology right. is there. so now that you've got the sizes down next are the switches um and switches are the main thing that makes a mechanical keyboard mechanical because um other keyboards they're usually known as membrane keyboards um there there's other ones like uh on a max they have those butterfly switches and stuff so, um yeah. those types of keyboards that are non-mechanical are mostly reliant on you just kind of pressing a key into a in, into some kind of electronic thing that detects it, and, and that's it. But with a mechanical switch, it's it's an actual mechanism inside a little container that moves up and down, and that that is the trigger, and that's the thing that it makes a keyboard mechanical. Um, and there's three types of switches. There's tons of switches out there. Like, I, I can't actually tell you how many there are, but... They all generally fall under the same, these three categories, which is uh, clicky, tactile, or linear. And so clicky are, uh, I, I kind of played it before, they're, they're very loud. They're kind of what people expect to hear when they hear a, a mechanical keyboard. Um, and tactile, it sounds more like this. Okay. And so it's, it's a similar like sound, but it's, it's not as loud. Um, and then linear, I don't have a linear board right here with me, but linear, it's, it's, it's just smooth all the way up and down, and those ones tend to be the quietest. Um, I really like the feeling of tactile switches, um, and clicky and tactile kind of go hand in hand because you get that bump, but clicky adds the sound. Um, and uh, generally, the, with these three categories, the most common switches are red, brown, and blue, where red switches are linear and they're actually red and that's how people can tell the difference between them so linear are red switches and they are just again up and down uh there's no bump or anything it's just smooth sailing um brown switches are the tactile ones which are the tactile ones that i kind of played for you here 
Um, and those ones are bumpy, where as you feel them, it's like kind of satisfying to, to get that bump. And then uh, the clicky mm-hmm. ones, which are blues, um, those ones are loud. They're, they're tactile like browns, but they're, uh, they're much louder. And they have like a whole separate little aspect of it that like smacks and makes the, uh, the loud noise in there. And so even if you're trying to type quietly, you can't. You can't right? type quietly with blue switches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and the, again, those are the different categories. But man, there's so many different kinds of switches. Some people like loop their switches so they're extra smooth. Some people add what are called O-rings, which you like wrap the stem with this little rubber band of sorts, so that way it, it's like got a cushion, and so it's not loud as much. Um, so that that kind of would prevent you from bottom bottoming right. out and and making like an extra noise. It's not actually the switch. Yeah. I guess. It's, it's actually just like the keycap hitting the bottom. Right, exactly. Um, okay. There's also just different levels of force that you have to push down. Usually, I think across red, brown, and blue, those uh, switches are like 55 Gs of force or something. But um, then there's more custom switches or, or more rare switches. So uh, other switches are, are clear switches, which are like browns but heavier. And those are like... 70 g's or, so, or something like that when when you go down and so they're still tactile they're just heavier um and that's satisfying for some people exhausting for other people um yeah so i my first keyboard was a dos keyboard with browns yeah and then and then i got the ergo docs with clears and yes it was exhausting <laughs> at first like my hand i don't know it's weird but it felt like my hands were tired right. it, your hands do get tired but then after a while you're kind of just like ooh, i am like I am pushing these words out physically. So <laughs> it's it's satisfying when you get used to it, but you definitely have to have like some kind of finger muscle for it. Um, and green switches are just like blues, except they're heavy, like clears. Um, and so they're loud and clicky, but a little heavier. Um, and then and th- those are just cherry, the brand cherry. There's so many other switches out there. There was actually um, at a meetup uh, last year, they, they had... A typing test, but the switches had over like 240 G's of force. So it was like you had to like put your hand into it to get the keys down, and it was a typing test. It was impossible. I I, I couldn't do it. But I bet, especially with your pinky. Yeah, exactly. P- pushing that hard down with a pinky was crazy, and it, it was just like there's there's no point. But some people just love seeing how heavy they can do it. They have little biceps in their fingers, I guess. Um, <laughs> the heaviest switches I have, um, they're called Box Royal Navies. Uh, or not Royal Navies. Royal Navies is a separate kind of switch. But anyway, uh, Box Navy switches. And those ones are, I think, 90 Gs. Uh, those are heavy. Like, I, I like typing with them because, again, it's satisfying. But if I type them in them for too long, my hands just get tired and, and I get cold a little yeah. bit. You need to get the uh, the hand exercise thing. Yeah. Work up to yeah, it. Yeah, I actually used one uh, recently, and I was just like, "Oh, this actually is genuinely helpful. I, I need to do that." Um, yeah. yeah. So, so those are those are kind of the the range of switches. I would not suggest for anyone to go above ninety Gs unless you're just trying to show off. Uh, normally, mm-hmm. uh, the standard cherry switches are great, but there's there's some really fun uh, custom switches out there. Um, my favorite custom switches are Zelio's switches. Um, and those are purple, uh, so first of all, fun color. But they are heavy, like clears, 
Um, but they are much more tactile. And so the bump is like much more accentuated and, and it's just really, really fun to type on those ones without having to be crazy heavy for the bump. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anything else about switches? I think that's it for switches. And so now we can get into keycaps. Okay. Uh, so keycaps come in various profiles and, uh, the profiles just is a fancy word for shape. Um, and so the shortest and uh, kind of most standard, uh, not even most standard, but standard across the board is DSA, where every single key is the exact same height straight across. Um, they are square. They are very simply made keycaps. They're, they're, they're great because, um, they, again, they're, they're kind of spacey, I guess, for lack of a, a better phrase. They, they look futuristic. Uh, compared with uh, other uh, keycaps. But um, yeah, DSA is, is a great shape. And again, it's it's short, and so your fingers don't have to stretch too high. Um, and uh, yeah, they're really fun to work with. Um, the other shape is SA. So DSA is short, SA is tall. And um, I don't actually have an SA keyboard right next to me right now, but they're probably double the height of DSA keycaps. They're much higher, um, and they are really cool looking. Um, I would say some of the coolest hmm. keyboards I've seen have been with SA keycaps because those are the same shape as keycaps used in like the 70s that NASA used. And um, there's okay. only one company that still makes the traditional SA keycaps, and they're based like somewhere in northern Washington, and they have the same molds uh, that were used for those keycaps from like the 70s. And um, they're they're beautiful keycaps, but it is. Uh, it is a low supply and high demand uh, effort to get those kinds of keycaps because they look really cool, but again, they're they're hard to find. Um, and yeah, is there just like a waiting list for them? And or there something? actually is. There's um, there's this one keycap set that I remember it was one of the first things that drew me in to mechanical keyboards, and I was just like, oh, where can I buy these? And people just laughed, and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and it tur- and it turns out like the only way to get those particular colors and types of those SA keycaps for this particular set that I wanted was through a random group buy on this one forum and the waiting list was like three and a half years. And yeah, wow. and I was just like, I don't even know where I'm going to live. I, I don't, I don't know what my, where my life is going to be in three and a half years. So I that set <laughs> yet. There's a lot of like aftermarket keycaps on Reddit and, and eBay and stuff where people will sell their keycaps. And that's where I get a lot of mine. Um, Otherwise, just jumping in on group buys on Mass Drop and, and some Reddit ones have been uh, the best ways to kind of get fun keycaps. Um, and not all of them have a waiting list of like three and a half years, but a year is kind of reasonable for SA keycaps. Um, SA keycaps are super rare, but super pretty. Um, and then the other shapes slash brands are DCS, um, DCS and GMK. And it's a lot of letters. Uh, mm-hmm. DCS is made by uh, Signature Plastics, which is the company that makes SA, and then GMK is a German company that makes it in generally the same profile, and those look a lot more like standard keycaps. Like, if you go to an airport or, or um, I don't know, so, some business with a cash register, they will likely have those kinds of shapes where it's like curved at the top, the letters in the upper left-hand corner of the keycap. Um, the, those kinds of standard uh, looking caps and uh, that that's what DCS or GMK are 
And um, those ones are becoming more and more customizable. GMK has some really cool sets out there. I only have one keyboard with it, with those on there. Um, and they're very classy looking because they're kind of old school because they're a sh- very common shape, but they're kind of everywhere. And so those are, those are kind of the most common shapes of keycaps. And there's one other new shape that um, I really like, uh, and it's, it's newer, and it's called XDA. And it's similar to DSA in that it's, it's kind of short and it's kind of standard across the board, but it's got a wider face for legends. And I actually designed a Scrabble keycap set, which we can talk more about later, but that's going to be an XDA set where um, each of the keycaps looks like a Scrabble piece where it has like the Q with the 10 in the bottom right hand corner and stuff. Uh, and and that's, that's the plan for that keycap set, but that's, that's XDA. Um, so what, you said it has a wider what? It's, it's like a wider face. Um, so, like with DSA, you you have I don't know. That's maybe like a centimeter around uh, to put the actual legends on the keycap. Uh, um, but with XDA, it's bigger. Where like the cap is still the same size and and won't like run into the other ones. But the actual top of the cap is probably like a centimeter plus a few millimeters or something. And, and it doesn't make that much of a difference, but it, there's there's some really fun sets that have come out of that shape. So so when you say legend, that's the uh, that's what's printed on the yes. key? Yes, so legend, legend is what's printed on the key. And there's actually two types of legends. So now that we've talked about keycap profiles, I can talk about the legends. And, and let me, let me sure. uh, clarify in profile. You said it's the shape, but is it just kind of the shape it's not the size of it, right? It's not like the shift oh, key. Oh, no, no. It's, it's like the actual shape of for... the plastic. So like a shift key can be DSA uh-huh. and so can a Q key. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, in terms of these keycaps, they are often printed in two ways. There's either die sub uh, or die sublimated or double shot. And so die sublimated is uh, printing the legend onto the keycap. Um, which is pretty standard in what you expect you print it on there. Double shot it means that it's actually a separate shot of plastic, where the underbelly of the keycap is one shot of plastic that's the same as the legend color, and then the cap is printed on top of it. And so when you actually look at a double shot keycap on different sides, it's different colors, and that's because the legend and the key itself are separate pieces of plastic. And what's cool about double shot is you can use that for decades and decades, and the legend will never wear off because it's not printed on there. It's it's a separate shot of plastic. Oh, nice. Are there are there like some vintage double shot keycaps? Yes, there's some cool ones, and that and that uh, again, I would look up SA keycaps. Um, those are really cool. Almost all DSA ones tend to be a double shot too. Um, you can you can tell when something is printed or not, pretty much. Um, a, a double shot keycap, that legend stays crisp forever, and it's awesome. And I mean, to be fair, I have several die sublimated sets, and I can't. The, none of them have started to fade away on me yet, um, and so it's yeah. it's fine, and it it's designed to last a really long time. But the double shot plastic will last for many many years to come, as long as the keycap lasts, right? Unless you wear through it completely, yeah, right? Yeah, and at, at that point, kudos. That's that's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> what are are there some that have a clear legend so that light can shine yeah, through? Yeah, there's actually this one set um 
and it's made by the Signature Plastics Company. They have a website called Pimp My Keyboard where you can get different keycap sets that they've made. Um, and they have one called DSA Borealis. And so it's a DSA profile, and the color scheme is a kind of a gradient from uh, purple to turquoise. And all of the legends are slightly transparent and glow in the dark, which are really cool. So wow. it's glow in the dark plastic that um, is slightly transparent. And so if you have light coming through, like if you have LEDs underneath your keycaps, uh, it can shine through that way. There's there's some wow. really cool. Uh, is the legend from bottom to top, or across the face of the cap? Um, the le- so the legend is just the. Le- Oh, sorry, I said that wrong. Is the gradient from bottom to top? Yeah, it's a, it's from bottom to top. So, like, the space bar is purple, and, like, the number row is, is turquoise. Oh, okay. It's it's across the face of the yeah, keys. The, the entire keyboard is... And so you have to have, like, a different gradient for each row. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Actually, one second. I have one right over here. Um, this one is actually... It has linear switches... And so there's no uh, major clicking except for when it touches the bottom. And it has SA keycaps, so they're much taller. I'll, I can show the kind of height difference there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it has this gradient from, like, white to black uh, up to the top. Nice. Yeah. And again. Okay, so it's not really a gradient. Each row is just a slightly different right. color. Yeah, so, yeah, and so it's, like, a gradient across the board, not really. On the yeah. Cap itself. Although there are. What is that? What is that escape key? Is that a spinner? Yeah. It's a, a fidget spinner. A fidget spinner key cap. <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's a dream. I love that key cap. <laughs> does that does that annoy you at all in Vim when you're hitting escape? No, it's actually kind of fun. It makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something in addition to code. <laughs> That's a fun keyboard to bring to. Uh, hackathons because people are like first of all what is that keyboard second of all what is that keycap it's definitely fun um but yeah and and another thing that you might come across when you're looking at um keyboards sometimes when you're getting uh keycaps they'll say okay there's the base kit or you can buy just the alphas or just the mods um alphas are like the alphabet and so it's it's all the letters plus the number row um, and then mods are modifiers, so that's like shift, enter, control, alt, all of those different things. Um, and then there's like the numpad and, and novelties, and novelties tend to be ones that have kind of uh, fun legends that are different shapes. Like I have a novelty sailing key on uh, this keyboard I have here. And so there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of uh, different terminology in there, and I think I covered most of it between the switches, the keycaps, and the case and the keyboard size. See, there also is, uh, there's some keycaps that are blank, yes. right? Yes, uh, those are just blank keycaps. Just blank. Yeah, you can call them. Yeah, I, I got the blank um, DOS keyboard when I got nice. that. Just to test yourself. I guess, like I don't look anyway, but I thought it looked cool that there was no, there were no letters on it. Yeah, I like the idea of that, but then every time I've done it, I end up getting frustrated if I like hit a key wrong, and then I'm just like, no, this is right, this is right, oh. and then I realize it's not, and I can't actually like look down at the keyboard and tell that to myself. And so I tend to use the printed ones, but kudos for using the blank ones. My husband, my <laughs> my husband actually has a blank DOS keyboard with blue switches downstairs. Nice. Yeah. 
Oh, what about the the little nub on uh, the home row? The two keys on the home row. Yeah, so those are homing keys, aptly named, um, and it definitely depends on uh, on the keyboard profile uh, how the homing keys look. Um, because on SA and DSA, they're actually just a deeper scoop, and it's kind of hard to show it on there. But it's it's just a deeper scoop uh, in the in the cap than um, the other keys. And then with GMK, um, which again is like DCS, the more standard ones, they come with both the bump on the keys, kind of like your laptop keyboard, as well as more deeply scooped ones, and you can kind of choose between them which ones you. Okay. Yeah, that's actually one of the problems I had with the Ergodocs is there were no homing keys. Oh. And I I just temporarily swapped it out with the keys for my my Ergodocs. Nice. Uh, no, from my from my DOS keyboard. I swapped those. Yeah. And so one's smoother and one has a texture. Well, I guess is that another thing that has some terminology is the texture. So usually that depends that depends on the key keycap maker because some keycaps are smooth and some are just not and um, some keycap makers have different opinions on that and so uh, for example for signature plastics the one who make SA keycaps um, these keycaps that I have here on this SA grade um, they are first of all die sublimated so the, it's not a separate shot of plastic for each of these but um, they're also very smooth um, and that's just the molds that they have for them and usually uh, SA keycaps are made of ABS plastic. Um, a lot of people don't know the differences between the different plastics unless you're in 3D printing or something. Um, but the ABS plastic is very, very smooth, and it can get shiny over time. Um, PBT plastic is plastic that doesn't get as shiny over time uh, when you use it. Um, that's why a lot okay. of people like uh, PBT plastic, and that's what uh, that's what... DSA keycaps are typically made from, and um, you, it, it really depends on the company what they use. Like SA Grade, they actually recently came out with uh, the PBT plastic uh, SA keycaps, and it's it just it's up to the maker. GMK uses only ABS. There are different types of plastics, and and um, those just result in uh, again different texture, different like reactions to hand oils. Um, and uh, I'm sure they last differently too. I think they both they have different melting points, which doesn't matter unless you are making uh, artisan keycaps, which is another thing that people do. Um, like there, there's a whole contingent in the mechanical keyboard world of people who like make these tiny little sculptures onto keycaps and then sell them for enormous amounts of money. Um, uh, there's they make such great keycaps that um, they will make a it in clay and then make a mold for it and then inject resin and then have this uh, keycap that anybody can stick on whatever keyboard and then they'll say okay this keycap is called a burb it's a bird but that's the name for it the burb comes in 20 colors and we're only going to do a limited run of them go and people will spend the craziest amount of money for these artisan keycaps and I mean again they're made by artists they're made by hand it makes sense, but in other ways, it just does not. I, I saw this one burb keycap that uh, I just mentioned. It had three different colors in it. It was really cool, um, but it was $300 for a little oh, piece wow. of plastic. And that's not the most expensive one I've seen. Um, 
usually from the makers, they'll usually sell them between like 30 and $60. And it's mostly just compensating for their time making the cap. Um, and they don't make a ton of a profit, but there are some key caps where they are just such beautiful, high quality caps and they just sell for bucket loads. The most expensive cap I've seen is about a thousand dollars, but man, hmm. it's, it's crazy. Artisan, artisan keycap collectors are a whole other breed within the, the mechanical keyboard community. I saw one keyboard the other day that was every single key on it was an artisan keycap and that keyboard cost the person over $3,000 to put together oh, art, all the artisan caps. It's, it's, it gets deep. <laughs> Are they putting these little sculptures on top of existing keys or making the entire key from scratch? Usually the entire key from scratch. And uh, it definitely depends on uh, the keycap maker. There's, there's one keycap maker that's pretty popular. Her name is Tiny. Um, that's actually her name. And, and uh, she, oh. she runs a Twitch stream where she makes artisan keycaps. And she usually puts it on a, a keycap. And I forget if it's ABS or PVT. I know, again, it's because of the melting point, which whatever plastic she picks. And she just uses clay and makes these beautiful little sculptures on there and then, like, bakes it. And then people can buy them from her. And so it's, it's kind of up to the maker what, whether they want to use a resin um, keycap and make it all from scratch or uh, make some kind of clay sculpture on top of an existing cap. So what kind of sculptures? Because that doesn't sound very comfortable to type yeah. by hitting sculptures. Yeah, and so that's... Like, like the Eiffel Tower or something? You poke your finger? Yeah, right. Uh, that's why most people usually just put it on their escape key, depending on the caps. But I've seen some beautiful ones, and I'll have to send you some uh, later on. But uh, for example, one of them that this one maker, uh, I think they're Keyforge, either Keyforge or just another key maker. Those two are, are some really big names in that realm. And um, one of them is just a rose, and it looks just like a little flower that you can type on. And I've seen some people where their keyboard is a garden because it's just all the different rose colors on it, like a green case. And it's really cool looking, but that's just what they type on. Um, yeah, I've seen like huh. lions where I'm worried to type on it because it looks <laughs> teeth could scratch me um there there's been different dragons there's snakes there's turtles there's puffer fish there's uh, a lot of them are animals i really want to try to make one and i was thinking i might just like make a castle and we'll see if i can get anywhere because a castle a castle yeah i i with the with the with the po the towers pointing upward so i am thinking much smaller and i'm thinking like a rook like a chess piece rook or something Oh, okay. Just like a tower with like the little bumps on the outside and a cylinder. I'll start basic and then and maybe work my way up if I get to that point. Yeah, yeah, you could have an entire chessboard that you're typing. That's on. what I thought. Well, and I was thinking if you make a whole series of those, you could make like a moat in between the function keys and like the alphas and and really get detailed with it. But that that gets into a whole other realm of things. One thing that uh, people also do is they'll They'll get the molds for uh, one of these artisan keycaps, get a plain colored one like white, and then they'll have a miniature painter person who does it for like board games or, or like, uh, uh, what is it called? Warhammer? You know how the, the people yeah. who like the, those uh, role playing games that are really intense, they will hand paint those small keycaps. And there have been some glorious paintings I've seen on keycaps before, and those keycaps also sell for a very pretty penny because it's just very high quality and, and done by actual artists. 
Um, this this keyboard world can get really really deep when you, when people know what they want. Yeah. So okay, you were mentioning the different types of plastic and how it reacts to your oil oils in your hand. Yeah. I see this a lot where you get the the space bar, especially right. is the one that gets really oily. Yeah. And is there anything you can do about that? Like once it gets to that point, wash it. Like the, I, I actually have washed it before where like, uh, sometimes I'll get keyboards from someone and the keycaps will be kind of grimy and stuff. And I just pull all of the keycaps off and just put it in just a big tub of, of warm water with dish soap. And I just kind of stir it around and wash the caps. Um, and then they're not shiny anymore. That's, that's truly it. It's just like oil buildup. Um, I would say like, if you really want to avoid it entirely, PBT keycaps are the best to go because they have a texture on them that, uh, first of all, is bumpy, so it just doesn't get shiny in general. But um, they, the plastic is has some kind of magical way of just not getting shiny over time. And I can't describe nice. it without using a lot of waving hand motions and, uh, and telling you this is just... Because... Reasons. Yeah, this is how chemistry works, children. It just happens. So, yeah, I, I know that PBT plastic is the best for that uh, if you just want to avoid, avoid it entirely. Yeah. See, you use chemistry every yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Question. Uh-huh. Have you ever used typewriters? Yes, I have. I I think typewriters are super cool. I, I haven't actually, like written something legitimate on a typewriter i've more just like yeah. uh played with ones at like a goodwill or or um the at, actually at the amazon offices they have one where you can like type a poem and leave it for a friend and so and so i've played with the typewriters in that sense and um that is that is where a lot of the feelings that people want out of mechanical keyboards come from especially with the loud clicky switches um and the heavier ones like people want that a really intense feeling as they're clacking and it's, it's nostalgic for a lot of people. Yeah. When we were mentioning earlier, it's hard to press down on a pinky on some of those key uh, switches. That's how typewriters usually are is the switch. And what's kind of cool on typewriters is you have a, you have an adjuster to adjust how hard you have to press it. Mm. Yeah. Um, So last, last time I was in Seattle or the only time I've been in Seattle, I went to a typewriter store there. Nice. So you might want to go check that out. It's pretty cool. I'll have to look it up. I've got shelves and shelves of typewriters, but they're pretty expensive. Seattle is really hipster, so I'm sure there's multiple typewriter stores, but I'll I'll have to find them. Well, there are two right next to each other, but one of them's technically more of a repair shop. Gotcha. That makes sense. It's probably good business for the both of them to be next to each other. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, um... I, I really love just playing with keyboards in general. There, there's, as you can see, there's a lot of knowledge, and it's truly just exposure. I, I look at the mechanical keyboard subreddit probably every day, just looking about at the different shapes that people have tried, or the different keycaps people have customized, and the different boards people have put together. Um, it's a really fun hobby. It's easy to spend a lot of money if you're not careful. And so as long as you like set budgets for yourself and everything and are willing to trade and sell and stuff, I, I think it's great. Um, a lot of the, a lot of times if I decide I want to get some kind of keyboard, I'll sell another one to justify it to myself. And, uh, and mm-hmm. it's, it's fun to see the different uh, projects that people have put together uh, for the community to check out. 
So with the shapes, with the profiles, are there ever like you use one profile in this row and a different profile in a different row? People do, but I would never. I, I like I like feeling uniform across the board. I don't need any of that crazy uh, switching around. People do switch out the colors a lot, though. Like they'll they'll say, okay, I want the alphas from DSA Royal Navy, and then the the mods from DSA Overcast or something, and and swipe them out or swap them out, I should say. Um, okay. There's this one keycap set uh, that's based on the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, and so it's all pink and purple and it has some red in there and it's really, really cool. Um, and a lot of people combine it with, um, some other sets. For example, there's SA Chocolatier, which is an SA keycap set, but it's all, uh, based on Willy Wonka. And so it has, uh, fun novelty keycaps that have like the Wonka symbol on them and they're all like brown and chocolatey and, and, and they're a really cool color and people mix those. There's another uh, set called SA Jukebox where, uh, it's like 50s themed, and so it has a lot of turquoise and beige and like a deep red and stuff. And so there's all of these really cool sets that can kind of be mixed and matched. And uh, especially if they're the same profile, people love doing that. And um, one thing that Signature Plastics does, because again, they, they make a lot of these caps, is they um, they run grab bags every month where you can pay like X amount of money and they'll just give you five pounds of keycaps just from uh, various sets that they've made and, and any extras that they have. And it's been so fun getting the grab bags where myself and a few friends will all get grab bags and have a keycap sorting party together where we'll sort by profile and color and I'll say, oh, I'll trade you this one for that one. And we end up making our own like custom keycap sets ourselves. And uh, some people, they just put all kinds of crap on their keyboard and they call it a vomit set because <laughs> rainbow unicorn colors all over the place. Nice. Yeah. So I, we almost forgot to talk about layers. Oh, yeah. The layers. Onions have layers. Um, and so do keyboards. So when you want to... Uh, when you want to... Uh, I would go with parfait. Oh, parfaits are delicious. Um, anyway, uh, when you want to program uh, your keyboard, when you're getting to the software end of it, um, depending on the electronics beneath, you kind of can have complete free reign over what you want to do. Um, and so I have one friend, for example, where she has uh, a smaller keyboard, a 68% keyboard, and a separate um, numpad. But her numpad she programmed to just be different macro keys. And when she streams uh, herself doing something on Twitch, she presses one of the keys and suddenly her keyboard layout is more mapped to her Switch setup. Or if she's using Photoshop, she uh, has a key for that, and then all of a sudden it's set up for uh, her keyboard shortcuts that she uses for Photoshop. And um, there's a lot of people who do that where um, they'll just have full layers of uh, functionality built into the keyboard that are that just go as deep as you want to go. And um, for myself, I usually just have the standard layer of, like, the alphas, again, letters and numbers and modifiers, and then I'll have a function key where if I do function M, that will mute my computer. Or uh, if the two carrots next to M, I usually do function for those two to do volume up and volume down. And then if my uh, keyboard has LEDs underneath, I'll uh, have like function zero and nine. Um, and when I do those ones, that uh, t toggles the LEDs on and off or, or changes the colors. Uh, there, there's all kinds of different things that you can do both on your keyboard to change its layout and also on your computer to just do something. Um, some people, they tend to end the 
their emails with the exact same greeting every single time. So they'll do function whatever, and it'll just spit out the, the greeting or the conclusion of whatever email they might be writing. And so it really lets you do whatever you want when you want to, when you program a keyboard. And again, with a 60% keyboard, because it doesn't have arrows, you can program your arrows to be anything. Some people, they make their arrows just be their function keys on the right and then have the shift be up arrow. And then some people have it be the different alphas. Some people, they, they just use a mouse and then don't use a arrow at all. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really up to you, uh, how you program your keyboard, but the different layers let you, um, kind of again map it to whatever you would want it to do yeah yeah so i think are there kind of like three different types of like function keys like one you have to hold it down right to make the layer and as soon as you let go the layer's gone or one where you hit it and it it stays yeah until you hit it again or maybe like you hit it once and then as soon as you hit the next letter then the layer goes away they're kind of like sticky keys yeah and that's Accurate, yes. And and some examples of that are, for example, caps lock. Caps lock is one where you toggle it and then everything is caps until you untoggle it. And so there's yeah. like that. And then uh, kind of like control or alt or, or anything when you have to hold it to do copy. Um, some function keys are like that where you hold it down and you do whatever you need to, then that's fine. And then, uh, yeah, there's, there's sticky ones too where um, you have to do some kind of combination in order to set it off. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I've used an ergo docs and yeah, all, all of those types of things are kind of built into it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if there was anything else I was missing with it though, but yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so easy to just dive in deep to keyboards. I haven't even gotten into all the customizations for LEDs and like, materials of cases like i have this case here that has a layer of acrylic in the middle so lights can shine through but also is aluminum on top and bottom i've had uh wooden cases before and and uh, just plain aluminum plain plastic all kinds of different uh can yeah i've heard there are some keyboards that can play music yeah the prionic is is pre-built and prionic is an ortho ortholinear keyboard where it's just a grid of like five by 12 or something. Um, and yeah, you can program it where the, the, it will play music and you can play little songs in there. I haven't done that myself, but I know it's a thing. Okay. So can you explain your, your Scrabble, Scrabble keycaps, what they are, how you made them? Sure. Yeah. So, um, once upon a time, like sometime around this time last year, I had a dream that I was typing on a Scrabble board like just on a board game. And I was like, huh, that seems fun. And I I just like woke up and started designing these keycaps. And um, it was just a standard keycap where it was like a Q in the middle and then a 10 in the bottom right hand corner and uh, all of the different uh, point values and everything. And I thought it was cool. And I was like, okay, I have to do some color corrections to make sure it maps to the right colors to a Scrabble board. Um, And I was really happy with this design after iterating on it a few times, but I realized it would never see the light of day if I didn't have permission to use it. Um, And like the Scrabble logo on the enter key and and, uh, some function keys had like triple word score and double letter score and stuff. Um, So I just started cold calling Hasbro and I I was just messaging all kinds of people all over the place um, 
saying, okay, do you know anybody who might have worked for Hasbro at one point? Or uh, this person that is like your third connection on LinkedIn, can you introduce me? Just, just <laughs> really throwing shots in the dark, trying to contact people at Hasbro. Um, meanwhile, we had the Seattle Mechanical Keyboard Meetup last summer, and I met a couple people at MassDrop, and I said, hey, just so you know, I have this design going. Um, and they said, well, we get lots of designs. And I said, but look, it's Scrabble. And they said, if you can get permission to use that, we'll help you make it real. Um, and so that, that was like my kick in the pants to be more motivated to, to make it happen. And finally, I found an account executive who uh, I had even gotten some no's from some people at Hasbro, but I finally found an account executive who was just like, yeah, this sounds awesome. Um, and he did not know much about the world of keyboards, and, and I could tell he didn't really want to know. He was just like, okay, how much would you sell it for? How much? What, what's your plan? Um, and so that once I got connected with him, that's when I started talking to Hasbro, saying, okay, I have someone who's interested. I need to talk with them about logistics and everything. And I was basically the middleman between Hasbro and Mastrop for a while. And um, finally, in about... Mid-November, early December, I got a contract signed. And keep in mind, I was getting married at the time. So very <laughs> hectic. But um, we finally got a contract signed for a license to be able to produce um, these keycaps. And I wanted to make a full-on keyboard and completely trick it out with everything. And Master was like, one thing at a time. You, you don't realize how much work it is for a full keyboard. And they were right. Um, so I ended up... Uh, again, refining the design a little bit more and had these finalized Scrabble keycaps. And then we partnered with uh, WASD keyboards, which again, that's where I got my first keyboard. It's very full circle. Um, and they they said that they would provide the body, like the switches and, and uh, electronics and case for a keyboard uh, if we provide the switches. If, we, if anybody wanted to buy just a straight keyboard by itself or uh, if people want to adjust the keycaps to stick on their own existing keyboards, they could do that. Um, and yeah, the keyboard eventually went on sale uh, in March, and the sale uh, continued until National Scrabble Day in April. Uh, nice. And it was awesome. I, we ended up getting all kinds of uh, traction. I had like articles on CNET, and I, I wrote a blog post that uh, was shared around a lot. And we ended up selling uh, a little over a thousand keycap sets, uh, which was really exciting to see. And um, also, I, I forget the exact number of keyboards, the, the full keyboard. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we had a bunch of Scrabble enthusiasts who knew nothing about mechanical keyboards asking a lot of questions. And so myself and Mastrop would write posts and everything explaining this is what a mechanical keyboard is. This is why it's cool. By the way, it's Scrabble. Um, and like some professional Scrabble players were just like, oh, well, I have to get this. And so it was fun kind of seeing the my worlds of liking board games and mechanical keyboards collide a little bit. And um, yeah, now the keycaps are all in manufacturing. I actually have some color samples uh, across the house. And um, yeah, it's in manufacturing and it's due to ship in August. And that's been the project so far. Awesome. Yeah, I, I ordered one and I can't wait for it to, to arrive. Yay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And you made it super easy because... I'm not really into this world yet, and so I don't know how to, like, order something for an ErgoDox. Yeah. But the way you had it set up, it's like, yeah, you just add the ErgoDox extra keys on there, and it's good, you're good to go. And then I got the novelty keys, too, because I wanted those. Classic, of course. Oh, I'm glad that you got the ErgoDox ones. Yeah, the those ones, um, some people are just like, why would you support them? Hardly anybody has an ErgoDox. And I'm like, because there's some of us who do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's dozens of us. 
And so, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you got the Ergodox ones. I'm excited to see uh, to see them. Yeah, because I've been really sad. I, I love my Ergodox, but I haven't gotten any good keycaps for it. It's just the standard cheap blank ones that came with right. it. Yeah, well, and a lot of Ergodox designers uh, or keycap designers that like throw Ergodox in later, um, they just have blanks for all of the uh, modifier keys. And so you'll have the alphas, but then everything else is just blank, uh, yeah. which some people like, some people don't. Uh, I chose to offer both. Uh, and so that way people could kind of choose, pick and choose. Yeah, yeah. I had to get blanks for the extras because they're all different custom things. Right. Yes, figure yeah. if, if you have a lot of different mappings and custom stuff, that's up. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, well, if you look up Cassidy Williams on Google, there's myself and there's a Scooby-Doo character. And I'm not the Scooby-Doo character. So, So okay, so... So, Google me. The other yeah. one, not the Scooby-Doo. The okay. Scooby-Doo character. Or uh, my username is Cassidoo pretty much everywhere. C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O. So you'll find me on Twitter, on GitHub on LinkedIn, on CodePen. Casadu, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Yeah, definitely fun. I learned a lot. Yay. I'm glad. <laughs>